continue to unpack some of that um, and, and bring some reality into our lives as Christians, yeah, because when we're, when we're Bible-believing Christians, for some reason, there are so many people that have this assumption that our life is going to be perfect. And, you know, it generally doesn't pan out that way. <laughs> you know, you just get your new car and someone hits it <laughs> or something like that, you know. You just meet the woman of your dreams or the man of your dreams and their parent hates your guts. You know, like, I don't know, I'm just throwing stuff out there, you know. Um, you, you just get your first credit card, you buy something that you've always wanted, and then you roll up at work only to find out you've been retrenched. Life sometimes doesn't pan out the way that you expect. But in it all, as Bible-believing Christians, we should have something that we can still praise, that we can still worship, that we can still lift up our hands and our voices, you know. Amen. So we're going to continue in the Psalms. I'm going to jump to Psalm 30, and I, I just want to start with this, that every psalm has a mood, every psalm has a story, every psalm often has a problem behind it as well. And so I'm going to pray and then we'll read. So um, pray with me, won't you? Uh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity of jumping into your word today. God, I pray, Lord, that you bring something out that would make us more like your son, Jesus, that, Lord, it just won't be a story, just they won't be just words. But Father, in it all, when we leave this place, when we drink our first coffee, whatever it might be, that Lord, we would know that at this point we've been moulded, shaped, Lord, and transformed more into the image of your Son with ever-increasing glory, as your word says. So Holy Spirit, have your way today. Speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. All right, Psalm 30, verse 1 starts and it reads, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord. I really like verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord. You, his faithful people, praise his holy name. That's a, a call to worship right there. Yeah. Um, I just think that every church should be a worshipping church. Uh, I keep telling the story, and it's really funny because I tell a story about a, success, a successful church that when I visited it some like six or seven years ago in the States, had over 20,000 people. You know, like it, it's successful numerically, but they don't worship. They worship like 10 or 12 minutes because our time's important, and, and we've got to keep going. And, and some of us don't like to sing, so we don't want to embarrass those that don't like to sing. So we're just going to keep it to 10 or 11 minutes, depending on the length of the song. And I think we're missing a whole, I believe we're missing a whole part of God in that. But anyway, verse 5, for his anger lasts only a moment. I love that because you know why? It talks about a God who has got anger. <laughs> and generally today, New Testament believers today, so God, God's a loving God. Um, we do believe in this place that there's a heaven and a hell. Yeah, we do believe that there's an eternity with God and an eternity without God. Whatever that hell looks like for you, there's a separation from God. We certainly believe that. That's core of what most you know, Christians believe, regardless of whether you've been brought up in a Baptist church, Catholic church, Uniting church, Church of Christ. We generally all believe that. But often today, people have this new theology that God is so loving that there's no way there could be a place called hell or a separation from him. But I just want to suggest, even from the psalm here, 
for his anger lasts only a moment. There is a place if he can be angry. But his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, verse 7, when you favoured me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing, or some of us might know this passage as you've turned my mourning yeah, into dancing. You've removed my sackcloth. you clothed me with joy. And still, <laughs> we praise him in all of that, right? And then verse 12, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. It's like this constant theme around life and all of its problems is that we should be singing, worshipping, opening our mouths in some fashion. So I'm going to fo focus on verse 5. <laughs> Eventually I will get to verse 5 where I want to focus. But for me this psalm, it's like, it's like an alert an alarm. You ever been somewhere or like sometimes in churches, we don't do it here, but you know on the screen it comes that little alert and it tells you you have to go get your kids, you know, you, or you've been to some place and a fire alarm goes off, the bells ring, it's trying to warn you that there's danger, you should get out, you should evacuate. I, I think this psalm has, has, has a sound of an alarm in it, has a sound of, of an alert because I think it, it hits us quickly and it makes it in, an impact how can it not when we just read that this God is, you know, he's got anger. That for me sort of highlights a loving God that I know it says that it, it's only for a short time, you know. His anger lasts only a moment, but he's angry. That for me says I should have a look into that and find out what makes God angry. You know, like I, I, want, I want to know that stuff, you know. Want to know what makes him angry? But anyway, this it gives us this impression of God in the first couple of verses. That's that I think that that are some wrong impressions because I don't know if any of you have ever met people that think God's mean, or if you've met anyone that doesn't believe that God's even real or that God doesn't exist. And because He doesn't exist, because He's not real, means I can do whatever I want to do with my life. Yeah. I, we're certainly not a church and I'm not a person that's going to tell you how to live. I believe Holy Spirit convicts us, each of us, you know, on what to do, what not to do, how to speak, what not to speak. In the same way that I can watch a movie but you may not be able to because you don't feel comfortable with it. Or you might listen to a song that I think, oh, I don't want to listen to that. I don't like the lyrics. Whatever it might be, I think Holy Spirit guides us on how to, how to live our life. But... It gives us this impression, you know, and it, for me it's this alarm that sounds in verse 5 for his anger lasts only a moment. But then it picks up really quickly and it's something that we somehow have to hold on to all of our lives for his favour lasts a lifetime. Yeah? The background story to this psalm, to this, is the dedication of the temple. Right, and how do I know that? It's it's really cool because if, if you've got your a, a Bible and you go to the start of the psalm, it always gives you a little heading. You know, it's a psalm of David, or it's for the director of music. Psalm thirty actually says a psalm, a song for the dedication of the temple. 
You know, so it's not my great theological study. My Bible tells me that straight off, that, that the background of this is the dedication of the temple. Now, we know that because it's written there, but if we know the story of David, if we actually know the story of David, we know that it's not David that builds the temple, it's Solomon, yeah? David conquers Jerusalem. David himself is the one that brings the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, and therefore he brings the tabernacle, because that's what David set up. He set up the tent, the tabernacle, yeah? So he brings that. So the context of this psalm of David is... Because it's David and because it's for the dedication of the temple, it's the heart of David that we're capturing and that's of a sacred tent, yeah, of that tabernacle where there was a place where God would come and meet with his people and they would worship him there. That's the context of this psalm. That's the setting of it. So the, the tabernacle was actually was really special. It wasn't yet the temple. The temple hadn't even been dedicated yet. You know, Solomon would be the one that would build a temple. And David, David gave all of his wealth to build the temple. In fact, David as a father left a legacy. Legacy is what happens to us after we've gone. And this is what David does. He leaves a legacy for Solomon, uses nearly all his wealth, and he builds the temple. And then we get to this psalm that's actually a song to be sung because it's a, it's a psalm of David. All of David's psalms are songs. All of David's psalms are about getting in the presence of God and worshipping him in whatever season you're going through. Yeah, That's the setting for this psalm. And the great thing about this particular day, if you, if you actually read and, and about the dedication of the temple, was on that day, apart from the incredible sacrifices that they made on that day, the, the, the temple is actually a picture where separated man, man and God, actually come together and are united in one in worship. Old Testament, pre-Jesus. Pre yeah, this is really huge stuff. And the amazing thing about the day is that the glory, it says the glory of the Lord came and fell in their midst. The glory of God. Like, I don't know about any of you, I've had moments where I have experienced something like that, where his glory is so heavy, I, I, I physically can't feel like I can stand. Like, and you, you're weeping, you're, you're half scared because of this, he's holy, but you're, you're just in love with the presence. It's, it's, not, it's not a word that you can capture, you know. It's like the otherness of God. There's something about it that's so so beautiful, yet terrifying is not the right word, but it, it lives in that space, yeah? It lives in that space. And so you've got this dedication of the temple, and the glory of the Lord comes down in their midst and was manifest in, in a supernatural way. And that's the, that's the setting, that's the story behind the psalm. But we, gotta, we have to keep digging a little bit, because I said earlier that every psalm has a story, every psalm has a mood, every psalm can have a problem in it. And Psalm, Psalm 30, we, we have to diagnose it a little bit, you know, because there's a few problems that can be pointed out really easy. Verse 1, enemies gloat. Easy. Verse 2, sickness is a reality. We know it's a reality because it also says that healing came. 
Yeah, Verse 3, that there's the realm of the dead, a deep pit. These are issues, problems that David's painting in this psalm. Being under God's anger, verse 5. Then there's weeping, still verse 5. Then people are dismayed because they feel as though back then God hid his face, verse 7. Then they needed mercy, verse 8. Then they were silenced because they were dead, verse 9. And then there's wailing and sackcloth and mourning, verse 11. I mean, there's a stack of problems there, yeah? Like a whole stack of problems. And I'd suggest that you and I probably experience some of this stuff if we're to be honest, yeah? And if you don't want to be honest, that's okay. I'm quite happy to say a liar, liar, uh, for those that are home, pants on fire, yeah? Because some of us feel like we're weeping sometimes, yeah? You ever had those moments, those days where you're weeping or there's wailing, you're just so upset, frustrated at the world, at school, at work, your parents, there's that wailing. Sometimes you feel like you need mercy, particularly when the police pull you over and you know you've been speeding, oh, give me mercy, please. My wife's going to kill me if she finds out I get another fine. You know, sometimes like this church at the moment over the last week, we face sickness. Anyone ever face sickness? Yeah. So you've got all of these issues that David captures in this psalm and some of us have actually felt or experienced those things. Then he also paints something else. There's all these problems, but he shows us a remedy. And this is where you and I somehow have to learn to live. He goes, God lifted me up, verse 1. He managed to ask for help in verse 2. He was spared from going down to the pit in verse 3. He was spared from that anger of God, verse 5. He was secure and not shaken, verse 6. Received God's favour, verse 7. He was enabled to stand firm, still verse 7. He calls out to God in verse 8 and verse 10, and he gets helped in verse 10. That's got to be the quickest summary of a psalm you're ever going to get in your life. I imagine all of us here have at some point and at some time, if we felt some of those problems, I'm going to suggest that most of us have been helped by the Lord, those that have walked with him for some time, those that have got a personal relationship with him. That should be the testimony of every Christian. Yeah, That should be the testimony of every Christian. I, I imagine, um, I know I've been picking on Mark the last couple of weeks, um, but he should be at home listening, probably still celebrating that the Western Bulldogs smashed Hawthorne and we're still in the eight. But anyway, so that's probably worth celebrating in itself because the best team in the AFL could win another grand final this year. Um, I love the silence. Like, at least my son should say, that's good, Dad. Come on, you're on it. Come on, you know. <laughs> prophesy it, it's so good but I've been picking on Mark because he had his small stroke and then he found that a part of his body wasn't working like it used to but now all of a sudden it, it just it was slow, it was coming and then it just snapped and everything started to work his writing's clearer, some of his strength's back, he's got wisdom now because he's learning that he should lift things differently, yeah, so some things have even improved, right, but for, for him now, Mark, if you're at home now he's got a reason yeah, he's got a testimony to be able to share, this is what God did in my life. Because I guarantee you, when he was sitting in hospital, having had a small stroke and realising something's not quite right, he was asking God for help. Yeah. Because most of us, when we find ourselves in that position, ask God for help. Yeah. Yeah? Even, not, even people that don't believe in God, when they find themselves in hospital on a, on a hospital bed, are throwing out a prayer to God, if you're there, yeah. I'd like your help, you know? Yeah. 
Mark's now got a testimony, a testimony that goes along with being a Christian. So that's the diagnosis. We've all got these problems in this psalm, especially about the difficulties that we have in life and you know some of the relationship with God, but we call out to God and he answers us and he blesses us. And if we experience that, if we know that, it gives us a reason to celebrate. It gives us a reason to praise him. You know, David makes it so evident. Verse 1, I'll exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. Verse 4, sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. Verse 11, you turn my, my wailing, my mourning into dancing. You remove my sackcloth, you clothe me with joy. Verse 12, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. That's the diagnosis of, of this particular psalm that you and I we because of life sometimes we can feel distant from God just because of the things of life yeah if we're to be honest we can feel disconnected we get all sorts of problems so even those of us that are here in this room those that are listening at home we're either one of two people we're either a person that God comes alongside and helps us with our problems or we're a person that needs to get their life right with God we're either one of two most of us here are probably those that God comes alongside of us and helps us with the issues of life, to walk through life. That's what he does because he's a good father. You know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we don't have problems. What it does mean is that we have a saviour in the midst of our problems. Amen? Yeah? yeah? And when you know that you're right with the Lord, when you know that your sins have been forgiven, when you know that he's answered your prayer, when you know that you're a son or a daughter of God, when you, when you know those things, even when you know that life isn't great, you still know that God's on your side. Like, you still know that God's on your side. Like you just know. You just know that God's on your side. That should be enough. Even when he's using, you're in the midst of pain. And he decides to use your pain because God doesn't treat us like puppets. He allows us to go through life. We go through stuff constantly and sometimes life and, and things in life can be so painful. But the Bible's really clear because it says he works all things together for good for those that love the Lord. So he may even choose to use your pain to help you. Even in that, in the midst of our pain, at least I can turn to him and say, God, at least I know in my suffering that you're using this for my good. Yeah, that is reason to celebrate. There is no reason that you should ever meet any believer. Let's face it, life can be difficult. We lose loved ones. Yeah? Life can be tough. There's times that we mourn, that we grieve, but there should be no reason that a Christian looks like they've been sucking on lemons 24 hours a day, seven days a week, regardless of the season that we're in. Because God's always there. Jesus is always there. Even in those tough times, he uses those times for our good. So if I know that, if I actually know that in my Noah and I allow that to flow to my heart, how then can I be disgruntled and frustrated and upset? How, how, how? if I'm a Christian flying that flag. So if you and I are people, those, those that are listening, if we're people that, are, that always look like that we're sucking lemons, we should probably take the, the fish sticker off our car because it's, it's not a good witness. It's okay to have a moment and go, I'm doing it really tough. 
But it's okay in that to say, but you know what, I just, I know I'll be okay because I'm walking with the Lord. I know that God's got me. I know that things will be okay. If we know him, if we've actually experienced his help, then we should praise him all the time. You know, we should be able to declare, like verse 11, you turned my wailing, my mourning into dancing. I don't want to dance at the front because there'll be parts of me that keep dancing after I stop. You know, but the point is, yeah, in our, in our morning, we, we should be able to say, you know what, God's got this. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm doing a really bad 1960s, 70s, you know, love child, Christian dance. Yay! You know, God's got me. And I know it's tough. I know my child has this. I know my, my mum has that. My dad has this. He's going, he's, he's like, whatever it might be, but I still have God as my rock and my foundation. And so in that we celebrate. It's in that that we praise. If Jesus himself can be on a cross, having nails through his hands and feet, and at the last moment turn to one of the other guys on another cross and go, hey, dude, don't worry about it. It's cool, man. You're going to be with me in paradise. I'm sure that even while he was nailed, someone's going to say this is heresy. This is going to get me into trouble, I know. But I reckon he was doing Italian gestures with his hands. Dude, it's all right. You'll be with me. You know? Look, I just think that he, he was so... He had such a relationship with the Father. He was, he, he was so close to his dad that he allowed, he allowed his Father to set the path of what he had to do for us so we could be back in relationship. So if in that moment... He can still turn and say, hey, you are going to be with me. Then, man, what's our excuse? I stepped on a nail once, once, but it came back out and it hurt. How many people, seriously, anyone in here done that before? You know, or shot a staple through their thumb or something like that? Look, it hurts! But while he had big, rusty, like, through, he was still able to say, hey, dude, you're with me will be in paradise. Like that, that for me, man, that's turning mourning into dancing. Yeah, that's turning wailing into dancing. We worship because we know him. Did you know that you and I, we can't worship what we don't know. People worship all sorts of things today. Yeah. You can't worship what you don't know. I wonder sometimes, yeah, where the people who can't, that struggle to... I know worship is your whole life. I know that. But there's a part of worship that's singing, <laughs> which I love the scriptures for. And I'm quite happy to give people those scriptures if you want them so that you can rip them out of your Bible if you don't like singing. But, you know, worship is singing as well. And, and I, I can't help but think that those that really struggle just to worship and sing, because let's face it, we all, we all sing. All of us have music that we like you know, that we like to listen to at home, like to dance to, like to sing to. I know that I jest with Ray because Ray likes country and western. We know that there's only a very small population of the... They're probably all in Nashville, you know, that like country, um, you know, not in Australia. We, we, we've all got music that we like. Some like classical, some like rock, some like raps. You know, we all have... And we all sing. Like, don't say you've never sung in your car. We've all sung in our car. Like, we, we just all do it. Like, we just do. It doesn't matter if we're bad. I know I'm bad because my kids and my wife tell me to shut up all the time. 
Sometimes it's because I make up my own lyrics because I don't know the lyrics of the song. I think my lyrics are better, you know, personally. I think they're really good. But they would disagree. The point is that we all, we all sing, and, but we sing and we worship because we know what we're worshipping. So whether it's God that you worship or whether it's your Xbox or your car that you wash every second day, you, you do those things because you know that thing. You cannot worship if you don't know God. You can't. So I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe some people that struggle to worship, maybe it's because they don't know him or, 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 or haven't been able to, to put their finger on it where God's been good to them. Maybe they've forgotten where God's blessed them. Because I believe God has blessed each and every one of us constantly over and over and over again. I think we've missed half the stuff that he's done for us. Yeah? Sometimes we just need to sit and we start to make a list of where, actually, I think God was there. That's why I got through that. That's why I did that. Oh, that's why I was able, okay. Oh, yeah, you must have been, yeah, okay. I know you led me there. Sometimes we need to make a list. Verse 12 says that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. And not be silent. Man, there's a couple of things here. Worship that comes from knowing him flows from the heart. It's not a head thing. When people try to work out faith in their heads, it makes no sense. I learned in science. Don't stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop trying to work out God with our intellect. It'll get there. He will renew our minds. But it starts in our heart and it flows from our heart. Faith is more an emotion than it is a theology in our minds, you know? It just is. That my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Not only does it come from the heart, it affects our lips because it says that I will not be silent. My heart can't make a noise. Even when I put a stethoscope on it, it's only a really small noise. Even if I put a microphone to that, it's still a small, but for me to not to be silent, something that comes from my heart must come from my lips. And if it's coming from my lips, it means that I'm actually breaking the sound barrier. You know you do that. Every time you make a noise, you break the sound barrier. That means we're breaking the sound barrier in our worship. Maybe people struggle to worship because they think God does, just hasn't done much. Maybe they struggle to worship because they're embarrassed of what the person next to them might think if they actually sing, if they actually kneel, if they actually raise their hands. I remember the first time I went to a, a, an independent Pentecostal church and I watched people lift their hands as they were worshipping. I had a very conservative faith coming from a conservative church. And I'm thinking, these guys are brainwashed. What a pack of sheep they are. But you know what? Now I can't, I can't keep my hands down. I just can't do it. I, 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 I can't be silent anymore. It flows from my heart. What was really strange once, as I got to know God over the last 30 years, as I've got to know him, has become more and more natural to actually overflows from my heart that it affects my lips. And actually all of a sudden I'm like, Whoop! you know, like, don't do it. Oh, I love you. Don't no, stop it. You know, like it just, it just happens because if God is the creator of everything, how can I not be enamored with him? Yeah, how can I not just want to say, dude, you are just so awesome. If Sylvester Stallone, for me, walked into this room, I'd probably take the mic off and go, dude, you're my hero. And I'd go and give him a hug, yeah? I know some people are thinking, Sylvester Stallone, he's old, he's 60. 
when I liked him, he wasn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Some you might have a favourite actor. You know what I mean? Like someone that you admire, that you look up to. I'd want to go. Like if the Queen walked in, I don't know her from a bar of soap, because it's the Queen. I want to go up on my tail. I'm going to give her a hug. If God walked in, man, I'd be on my knees. Yeah, totally holding on for dear life. I try that with my wife occasionally to hold on for dear life and she get off me. Stop it. Don't. I need some room. I can't breathe. It's just how we express love, don't we? Whatever it is that stops us worshipping, we've got to get over it quickly. Because when we get to heaven, the Bible suggests that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be worshipping God. You know, that's our primary purpose in eternity is to glorify him, to praise him, to worship him. One of the marks of a Christian across the globe today is that we're worshippers. There's this awesome quote by John Piper. I really like this quote. Some of you may not, but I like it. So I'm going with it. John Piper said, this is almost 24 years ago. It's in one of his old books. Mission exists. Mission. So the sharing of the gospel, yeah? Be it overseas, local, whatever it might be, telling people about Jesus. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Mission exists because worship doesn't. We can only worship what we know. When you begin to worship what we know that overflows from the heart, that breaks the sound barrier because it affects your lips people around you start to know of the thing, the item, the God, the deity that you're worshipping. It is a natural overflow. Mission exists because worship doesn't. I love that. We sang some songs today and I would go through all of the stuff, but, sorry Ryan, but the first song that we sang, Defender, I loved it. It's not even in my notes and we're singing this and I... Really? Last page? All I did was praise. All I did is worship. Lord, I will just bow down. I'm just going to stay still. All I did was praise. All I did was worship. Because earlier in the song, it says that he goes before us. He goes, he even goes to win my war. Then, then he comes back. Yeah, and he says, hey, you're victorious. So he goes and fights our battle, tells us that we're victorious, yet all we did was praise. All we did was worship. Mission exists because worship doesn't. I wonder how many of the things in our lives will be broken open if we actually really contemplated who our God is so that we would know him and then step into a place of worship, step into a place of praise, step into a place of celebration. I wonder, I just wonder how many of those things would change. You know, that old tabernacle, that sacred tent that was set up for that dedication of the temple was a place where God would meet people. So... David sets up this tent, he creates this space where people can go and worship because the glory of God would come, yeah? If we go to a restaurant, we go there to eat, 
People would go to the sacred tent so that they could worship God. If we come to a temple, it's to worship him. Where is the temple of God today? Aren't you and I temples of the Most High God? Does not the presence of God come and make his abode in us and now there's a space where we can meet with him? <laughs> Man, our whole life is full if we have a look of worship. Yet we get so busy, don't we? So busy cooking. Like I said to Mel yesterday, my wife is the best. You are the best mother and the best wife in the whole entire world. She just sat down. One of the boys goes, because they're not capable of it. At 14 and 15, they're not capable of walking five metres, microwaving food. That doesn't happen until you're 16. And so one of the boys said, I'm hungry. <laughs> What's new? That happens 22 hours of the 24 that we're alive every day with him. Can I have some food? Sure you can. It's in the fridge. Can you get it ready for me? Can't you do it? No, I can't because, because I, I'm like, I just can't, but I'm sure that you can um, and walk back to their bedroom. So there's this, there's this, this, this space where they can't do things and so Mel, who's tired, steps into that space. I'll do it for you, you know. And she bears her cross and she carries the burden. She goes to the fridge and she does the remarkable thing. She pulls out the bowl of bolognese penne, rips the glad wrap off. It's a really delicate move. Otherwise, you could hurt. You could get hurt. You take the pasta, you put it in a bowl so not to spill it. Open up the cupboard, open the microwave, put it in, use something to cover it because she has a husband who doesn't like splatter in the microwave. Splatter in the microwave is of the devil. It's like boys that can't pee in a toilet. Those two things are really like pet hates, right? So you don't splatter in the microwave. Fortunately, my boys have outgrown that part. Thank God. They're, I'm so in trouble when I get home. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And she microwaves the food for them. And then I can hear her because when, when she's tired, she's got this particular... When I'm tired, I fall asleep and I snore. That's what you hear. Did you hear that? My son's doing it now. You hear this? <sighs> While she's doing things, you know, scoops the bolognese because it's really heavy. This is why the boys can't do it. It's like weight lifting to get it into the bowl. <sighs> and I'm like, no, what's wrong? What's the matter? Nothing. I just want to sit down. I'm tired. I'm just tired, you know. Legitimately, Mel um, and our home had COVID maybe eight to ten weeks ago, so she still suffers some, some, we'll call it long COVID, but she still gets fatigued at times. But fatigue, fatigue dies. It dies. It gets put to death when there's a request from her loved ones. <laughs> but all you hear is, Mel, why, why don't you just sit down and rest? I will when I'm done. So she finishes doing that. Then she's doing something else. I go, what are you doing? She goes, I'm getting some food ready. I go, for dinner? She goes, no, this is for tomorrow because tomorrow we've got church. And I thought then we could come home and we could have an easy afternoon, an easy night. So I'm just going to do two or three meals. 
But I thought you wanted to sit down. Yeah, I will when I finish all of that. My point is, sometimes in life, we just need to stop, like the song that we sang, and we just need to praise, and we just need to worship, and we just need, let, we just need to let God do some stuff, and we need to let God go and win that battle. Hey, I, I can't get you past it today. I've already done my bicep workout and it's too heavy for me to get that bowl out of the fridge. So you know what to do. If you don't, you pray about it. God will give you the answers. And she could sit down. You know what? I know I'm making a joke of it, but sometimes we just need to rest in him, don't we? We just need to stop. We, we don't have to be going all the time, trying to do things in our own strength all the time. Sometimes we can actually allow God to be God. We can actually use our time better, yeah? Me included. Use our time better just to be able to worship him. I, I, I'm out of time, so I'm going to stand and I'm going to finish with this. I won't finish where I want to. But stand, stand, please stand. <laughs> there is something that is so valuable in this, yeah. And it's really just simply this. That verse says, his anger lasts only a moment but his favour a lifetime. You and I, because of Jesus, because of the work of the cross, yeah, the Old Testament is God constantly saying to us, hey, don't worry, I've got a plan, I'm getting there. The Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of David, this, that, prophets, kings, I've got a plan, it's coming, and eventually he sends us Jesus. So why is God angry? Does anyone want to try to even answer that? It's really easy. God was angry from the beginning because of sin. God hates sin. He hates anything that separates us from him. He hates it. He hates it so much that he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. Yeah? He hates, he hates, he hates, he hates, he hates, he hates sin. And you know what? If he's the creator of everything, he's entitled to be angry at the stuff that's eroding the stuff that he created. If I had a Lego set and someone came along and started pinching pieces off it, I am totally entitled to be angry at the people that are ruining my Lego set after what I've just built. God's the creator. He is totally entitled to be angry if he wants to. But you know what the, the brilliance is? His anger lasts only a moment because he chooses, chooses instead to give favour that lasts a lifetime. You and I, not because of what we've done, because of the fall, we're separated from God. He could choose to remain angry at us for all of eternity. He's God. You can try to work it out. You can argue that, but you can't. If you believe in a deity, a deity is a deity. He's God. Choose whatever he likes. He can choose to be angry at you. But he chooses instead to love us. Chooses instead to pour favour upon us so that we can be his sons and daughters. If we really understood that, man, you'd skip into church, you'd skip into the shopping centre, people at the IGA think you're nuts while you're buying your pasta. What are you doing? You're buying pasta? Why are you happy? Because God chose to love me. 
What? That's it? Oh, yeah, because you know what? You know what the opposite is of God not choosing to love me? Oh, it's really bad. It, it, it actually should excite us to know that he's shown favour and poured his favour upon us because you and I can't even do it. We're supposed to be a people that are created in his own image that show mercy, that show grace and show love. But let's be honest, how many of us here, even with our wives, our husbands, our friends, our partners, our spouses, how many of us somehow get railroaded into being frustrated and angry at people in our lives rather than showing them mercy, grace? Anyone ever got angry at someone? When you know that you actually should be showing favour and grace and mercy. So if that's us, if that's us as humans, God, (laughs) this is what I love, God who actually is entitled to be angry, who's so powerful and holy, chooses to pour favour upon us. I mean, that's love in the greatest degree. And we're we're supposed to live like him. He transforms us into the image of his son with ever-increasing glory. So more and more we're supposed to love and show mercy and favour upon people. And then you get that person that comes along that it's just like, oh, dang, I really struggle with them. But I know it's no one here, it's just me. My point in all of that is we've got a reason to worship. We've got a reason to sing. We've got a reason to break the sound barrier. It's because God loves us so much that he chooses, chooses, he chooses. His anger lasts only a moment, but his favour, his favour lasts a lifetime. I mean, that's, that's actually really good. So, actually, Andrew, can I just have you on the keys for a minute? Just for a second. I just want to close in prayer. But prayer is nicer with some musical accompaniment. Don't you think? I think it is. I won't sing, I won't, because then you may get angry and I want you to actually live in favour, not anger. So I will not sing. (laughs) Just for a moment, can I ask, ask you to close your eyes? Just for a moment. God is angry against sin. And his anger against sin is so real that he chose to send his son Jesus to die a horrific death on a cross. All so that we could be in right relationship. All so that he could pour out his favour upon us. It's interesting that God's anger and his favour are in the one line, the one verse placed side by side you know if we can recognize the awesome power of God the ability that he has the right that he has to be judge because the Bible says that all have sinned all have fallen short of the glory of God then God's favor is just so magnificent in that light God's favour is even better when it's compared to his anger in that same line. Because his anger is momentary, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Father, in this place today, 
God, I know there are, there are some, even listening at home, God, me included, that at times I err on the side of angry, anger, frustration. Lord, at the things that are happening around me, God, at the, at the people, God, that seem to be able to get under my skin, God, I know that that must be the same for you. But Father, in the same way that your anger lasts only a moment, but your favour a lifetime, God, may we be more like you. May you help us, empower us, show us, Lord, how we can love people. God, how we can show favour. Lord, how we can show mercy. Lord, how we can be more like your son, Jesus. That when people encounter us, when we have a conversation, Lord, during the journey of life, God, as they spend time with us, Lord, they'll discover your son. They'll discover his beauty, his grace. They'll discover his life. They'll let you in. Lord, you're a loving God that is good. And Father, you are good all the time. Lord, etch into our memory the truth, the reality that you are good all the time. Etch into our memory, into our hearts, Father, that you pour out your favour and for a lifetime. And God, regardless of what we go through in this season, regardless of what happens around us, in our families, in our workplaces, just in stuff, God, may we totally focus on you and rely upon you. Lord, that we may be, Lord, your children, Father, those that praise, those that worship, Father, those whose lips, God, break the sound barrier because of your goodness. So God, do something in our hearts today as we leave this place. Don't leave us the same. Lord, make us more like your son, Jesus. May it be evident to those that are around us. But in particular, God, may we know what it is that you've done within us for those that are beside us. So God, this day we just give you all the glory. And we give you all the praise. And all these people said, Amen. 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 So let's be a people that live under his favour. Let's be a people that live under his goodness. And if it helps, stay, have fellowship, have real coffee. Because that puts you in a good place um, straight away anyway. Seriously, thanks for being with us. Thanks for joining us today. For those that are at home, thank you. Be blessed. We look forward to seeing you again. And um, apart from that, go Bulldogs in Jesus' name.